Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Andrew Womack. Andrew is passionate about helping people experience the unconditional love of God and walk in His promises. He's well known for his empowering teaching on the balance between grace and faith. You can watch Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack weekdays on Miracle Channel at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time. And now, Andrew Womack will teach on the crisis, cause, and cure for a hardened heart. Let's dive into the message. This is a truth that God spoke to me probably 30 years ago, and it has really impacted my life. I used to think that people with hardened heart were just people that were totally rebellious towards God, but the Lord began to show me that if you are not being able to perceive things properly, if you can't understand spiritual things, if you have physical eyes, but you can't see anything in the Spirit, if you can't hear the voice of God, if you can't remember, then those are indicators of a hardened heart. And that's from Mark chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. I dealt with all of those things last week. And basically what I was doing last week was just showing the crisis of a hardened heart. The word hardened, if you use it according to the way that when you apply it to a person's heart, the dictionary says that a hardened heart is being cold, insensitive, unfeeling, or unyielding towards God. And there are areas of our lives where every one of us is insensitive towards God. You know, the way that I grew in the Lord, I immediately, when I got turned on to the Lord, just started believing God for physical miracles, healings. I don't know exactly why that was, but it's just where my focus was. And I started believing for healings. And I got very sensitive to God in the area of healing. And I saw myself and many other people healed. And it just seems like that that was an area where I was seeing great victory in. And yet in the area of finances, man, I struggled with that for decades. I could say now that I was actually hardened towards God. I didn't understand some things. And... um, It was because of my upbringing. Basically, I was taught that we are, you know, uh, I remember when I was a kid, them saying that, you, Father, you keep the preacher poor and we'll keep him, I mean, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. And that was an attitude that they had that really they believed that a minister shouldn't have very much. And so I had these attitudes about finances, especially in ministry that were hindering me from receiving. And my heart was hardened, insensitive towards God in those areas. And then around 1996, I had a real breakthrough and God just began to start showing me some things, especially in 2002 when the Lord told me I was limiting Him by my small thinking. Uh, Man, I just saw a total turnaround. And I mean, our ministry has exploded in many ways. And one of them is financially the way that God supplies our needs. So I'm saying this to say that, see, I was sensitive in this area of healing and I saw great healing miracles, including people being raised from the dead and blind eyes open and things like that happening. And yet I was struggling over here in the area of finances. So I believe that you could be sensitive to God 
in one area and then hardened in another area. And so I don't think it's just like you are sensitive to God in every area. There can be traditions and doctrines of men that make the word of no effect, Mark chapter 7, verse 13. So anyway, this was a revelation to me that even though I loved God, was serving God, was a minister, that there was areas of my life where I was insensitive towards God. And man, this was just transformational to me when I saw this. And so what I dealt with on our program last Friday, I started talking about, all right, so what is it that makes our heart hardened or insensitive towards God? And I used Hebrews and it says, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. And then it says, beware lest your heart be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So on last Friday's program, I was making this point that if you sin, and we could spend a lot of time defining what sin is, but James chapter 4 says to him that knows to do good and does it not. To him, it is sin. So sin isn't when you only transgression a direct commandment like thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, and things like this. But sin is when you know that God is leading you to do something and you don't do it. To him, it is sin. He that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. And so every time you disobey like that, you are putting a layer of insensitivity between your heart and between God. And God doesn't turn away from you. Your lack of obedience does not cause God to turn away from you, but it's you turning away from Him. It doesn't change God's heart towards you, but it'll change your heart towards God. And so even though I preach and believe in the grace of God that God loves us, not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are, God loves us because He is love and not because we are lovely. And I believe that with all of my heart. That does not make me want to embrace sin because sin will harden my heart. It'll make me insensitive. God will be the same towards me, but I won't be the same towards Him. So if you're living in sin, quit it. And I spent last Friday's broadcast on that. I'm going to move on today, but it does need to be said clearly that if you are living in sin, quit it. It's it's not a matter of, well, is God going to punish me? Or are you saying that God won't answer my prayers? No, God loves you in spite of what you do, but you aren't going to get the same results as if you were sensitive to God and if you could hear His voice and follow His voice and if you were close and, and yielded to Him, you are going to get better results than a person who is out there living in sin and their heart is hardened towards God. If you're living in sin, quit it. And some people, well, I just can't quit it. Some people will say, but I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I can't quit it. You can quit it. Well, it, you go through withdrawals and it's hard. Well, it wasn't easy getting addicted and yet you went ahead and did it. You violated your conscience. Whatever you got to do, you just quit it. I know there's a lot of people that get upset with me because I'm not compassionate in a sense, I'm not empowering these people and agreeing with them. But the Bible says that you resist the devil and he will flee from you. James chapter 4, verse 7. The first part of that verse says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I believe what the Word of God says. And I have people come to me all the time and say, Oh no, I've done that. I've resisted the devil and yet he's still not left me alone. I still got this problem. I just choose to believe the Bible more than I believe you. I'm not 
trying to be critical of you, but I'm telling you, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word resist doesn't mean to say, oh, dear devil, please leave me alone. That's not resisting the devil. You got to get angry when you get mad, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired and say, I refuse to live this way. If it kills me, I am going to stop doing whatever. When you get that determined, that's resisting the devil and the devil will flee from you. If he hadn't fled, it's because you haven't completely committed yourself to resisting him. Amen. I believe that. So, Sin hardens our heart towards God. But let's go back to Mark chapter 6. This is where I started teaching this last Monday, a week ago. And I gave the example of the disciples who God had to constrain them to get into the ship because they perceived that it was not wise to be out on the Sea of Galilee at that time. They could tell that a storm was brewing, but nonetheless, against their objections, they went ahead and obeyed the Lord and after about nine hours being on this Sea of Galilee, and it's only a two-hour trip across the whole thing, after nine hours, they were only halfway across because the wind was so contrary to them. Their boat was full. It looked like they might lose their life. And in the midst of this whole situation, Jesus came walking unto them on the water. And they saw him, cried out for fear. He told them to be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And this is where Peter walked on the water to go to him. That's in Matthew chapter 14. And when uh, he uh, took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink, but Jesus lifted him up. They walked back to the boat. And then in John chapter 6, it shows that they and the boat and everything were immediately at the shore. They were just translated from being in the middle of the Sea of Galilee to being on the shore. I mean, this was a great miracle. It was an awesome miracle. And it says that they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. So I've already talked about this a lot, but what I want to focus on is that the reason that their heart was hardened was because they considered not the miracle of the loaves. So here is one of the great truths that God taught me through this teaching. And that is that whatever you consider, and the word consider, if you look it up in a dictionary, it means to study, ponder, deliberate, examine, think upon. I think that you could say whatever you focus upon or a scriptural terminology, whatever you meditate on, which is not just a passing thought, but it's a thought that you capture and you focus on it and you think about it for a while. Whatever you study, ponder, deliberate, examine, think, focus upon, meditate upon, your heart becomes sensitive to, and the things that you fail to study, ponder, deliberate, examine, think upon, focus upon, meditate upon, your heart becomes hardened to. It's just the way that God made us. And it doesn't mean that you lose knowledge of things. Like, for instance, you might know that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. And you might even be able to quote that verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, by his stripes we were healed. You may have the information, but yet it's not impacting you. It's not changing you. It's not making a difference because you're focused. You, you've been studying, pondered, deliberating, examined, thinking upon, focused upon, meditating upon other things. For instance, I've talked to a number of people who were trying to believe for healing, but then 
they come down with something that one of their friends had or a relative had, and they have the exact same problem. And you know what they do? They think about this other person who died of that thing. They think about the fact that, well, they prayed for healing and it didn't work for them and they died. And if this is where your focus is, if that captures you and takes your thoughts captive, then you might still be able to quote 1 Peter 2.24 and say, by his stripes we were healed, but you aren't going to see that power manifest because your heart is hardened towards it. You aren't sensitive towards that truth. Man, I just pray that you're getting what I'm saying. These disciples, when it says that their heart was hardened, it was because they didn't consider the miracle of the loaves. They had seen Jesus feed 5,000 men, not including women and children, so probably 10 to 15,000 people with five loaves, two fish. They had just seen a great miracle. And if they would have kept their mind stayed upon that, if they would have been focused upon that and meditating on the miracle that they had just experienced, then they wouldn't have been shocked to see Jesus come walking on the water. Anybody who can feed 10 or 15,000 people with five tiny loaves of bread and two small fish, anybody who could do that could walk on the water, could still the storm, could translate the boat to the other side of the lake. If they would have been focused on what God had just done, the miracle of the loaves, they wouldn't have been shocked when they see Jesus walking on the water. But they were shocked. You know why? Not because they were in sin, not because they had been reading Playboy magazines, planning a bank robbery, uh, plotting some kind of terrible thing, doing, doing something that was quote-unquote sin. It wasn't sin that grabbed them. You know what it was? They just got focused on the storm and trying to stay alive. And as I've said before, most of these disciples, or a large number of Jesus' 12 disciples, were fishermen. And they had been fishing on this sea for their entire life. I'm sure that their parents had taught them that, you know, when these waves are coming, you've got to put the bow of the boat facing the wave. Or otherwise, if you had turned it sideways, that wave could hit you and could capsize you. They were taught how to bail. They were taught how to roll. They were taught how to do all of these things to save their life. And I'm sure in the midst of this storm, it wasn't sin that was occupying their attention. It was just trying to stay alive. They were just focused on all of the natural things that they had been taught. And did you know that that's not 100% wrong? If, I, if you were going to take me to the airport so that I could catch a train, I wouldn't want you to drive me there by faith only. I wouldn't want you to close your eyes and just say, I feel like we're supposed to go now, that the light must have changed. I think that I'm supposed to turn here. No, you need to keep your eyes open and you use, need to use your natural senses. Yes, but you know, if you get into a situation that the natural senses will not deliver you, you have to be able to go beyond that. You know, I remember a time that my wife and I were driving from Pritchett, Colorado, where I lived, and pastored a church, and we were driving to Walsh, Colorado, and it was about, I think, a 30, 40-minute drive, something like that. And I was going over there to teach a Bible study, and we were going 60 or 65 miles an hour on this little two-lane road. We came up over a hill, and as I came over the hill, there must have been a 100 cows that were blocking the road. They had gotten out of a feedlot, and they were totally blocking the road. And I mean, there was zero chance of me breaking. 
And so, you know what? I had my eyes open. I was doing what I knew to do, but there was just no way that I could avoid hitting these cows. And Jamie just happened to look up and she said, Jesus. And when she did, we were on the other side of those cows. And I looked in my rearview mirror. They didn't spread. They, the road was still covered. I don't know exactly what happened, but somehow or another, we got translated to the other side of those cows. And I know some of you think, well, I don't believe that. Well, then it won't work for you. If you don't believe that, you'd have a hard time believing some of the things that are in the Bible about these three Hebrew children that got thrown into a furnace. I mean, a fiery furnace, and it killed the people throwing them in, and yet they weren't bothered at all. They were walking around, and there was a fourth person, like a, the Son of God that appeared. That's in Daniel chapter 3. Then you'd have a hard time believing that Daniel got thrown in, into a den of lions, Daniel chapter 6, and the lions didn't devour him. If you can't believe that God can't translate you, see, then in that area, you're hardened towards God. You just don't believe in the supernatural, and you would have been limited to only the physical, and you would have gotten only what the physical could do. I'm not saying that we don't apply the brakes. I'm not saying that we don't drive with our eyes open and use the physical senses that God gave us. But if God calls you to do something that puts you into a situation where your physical ability is not enough to get you through, you had best be able to look beyond that and to think about the supernatural and draw on the supernatural power of God to get you through. And this verse says specifically that the reason their heart was hardened because they did not consider, study, ponder, deliberate, examine, think upon, focus upon, meditate upon the feeding of the 5,000. And because they had forgotten the supernatural, their attention was taken away from God and they were looking only in the natural, then that's why they were overcome. That's why they were shocked. You know, you could go back to this same story over in the book of Matthew. And like I said, this is where Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, as long as he was seeing Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith, then he was able to walk on top of water. Man, that's miraculous. But the scripture says that he took his eyes off of Jesus and he saw the wind and the waves boisterous round about him. And he began to sink. Boy, there's a lot in that little verse right there. I never saw anybody begin to sink in my life. Either you just sink or you don't sink, but to begin to sink, there's a lot of instruction in that. That shows you that your faith doesn't depart all at once. It's not like you're just, boom, instantly in faith and then out of faith. This is the way some people feel. But no, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And likewise, fear and unbelief comes by hearing or seeing anything contrary to the Word of God. And it doesn't. faith doesn't just leave you all at once. It leaves gradually. And that's the reason he just began to sink. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and when he started considering, studying, pondering, deliberating, examining, thinking upon, focusing upon, or thinking about other things besides Jesus, then the wind and the waves, it wasn't like those things were evil. They were just natural. 
The wind and the waves didn't have anything to do with Peter walking on the water. He couldn't have walked on the water if it had been a perfectly calm day. But you know what the wind and the waves, what it did, it made him relate back to the natural realm. It made him think, here I am in the midst of the Sea of Galilee. Look at these winds. Look at these waves. What am I doing? This is crazy. And it began to pull him back into the natural. We, we, we live in the natural. I'm not saying that we ignore things. I'm not saying that we deny that the natural world exists. But I do deny that all there is is the natural world. There is a spiritual world out there and there's a spiritual world on the inside of me. I am wall-to-wall Holy Ghost on the inside. I'm a new creature. And the works that Jesus did, I can do also. And because of that, I live in the natural world, but I am not limited to only natural results. I can believe God and I can get supernatural results. And see, they had totally forgotten the miraculous things that God did through the feeding of all of these people, and instead they were just focused on the natural. So here's another way of saying what I'm trying to get across, is it's not only sin that hardens our heart towards God, but just being preoccupied with the natural world will harden your heart towards God. And here's another way of saying that, that you might be a very moral person and you aren't living in sin, you aren't in rebellion towards God, but you can be so focused on your job. You can spend so much time in the natural realm that there's nothing wrong with that. God told you if you don't work, don't eat out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And so, yes, you're supposed to work, but you can get to where you're working too much. You are so focused on your prosperity and stuff that you have no time left for God. And even though it's not sin to work, matter of fact, it's sin not to work when you're able to. It's not sin to work, but it's sin to be so focused on that that you can't go beyond your own uh, abilities and stuff and, and get into the supernatural. You need to spend time studying the Word. You need to spend time praying. You need to bring the supernatural into your natural. It's not wrong to be natural, but it's wrong to be only natural when you've been born again and the truth is you have the same ability on the inside of you that Jesus had. He said in John chapter 14, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. God said we could do anything He's done. And I guarantee you, most Christians just don't spend much time thinking about this. They get so preoccupied with living, going to work, raising a family, going to all of the soccer games and driving your kids to all of these places and getting involved. And we are so busy that we just don't have time for God. Did you know that that will harden your heart towards God? It's not only sin that hardens you towards God. Sin does harden our heart towards God. If you are living in sin, stop it. But if you aren't giving God much time in your life, if you are so occupied with just natural things, that can also harden your heart and make you cold, insensitive, unfeeling, and unyielding towards God. Man, I tell you, if you've understood what I've said today, this ought to be a word from God for you and it could set you on a different course where you start seeking and focusing on the things of God much more than what you do. Thanks for joining us today. 
Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Andrew Womack. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.